Sponsored by Suaco, Gevi, Nota AI, One.network, and Navtech Radar from Los Angeles, Highways Voices at the ITS World Congress 2022. After years of planning and a two-year delay in the event actually taking place, blink and we've hit the final day of the 2022 ITS World Congress here in Los Angeles, but there's still so much to see and do. It's all thanks to our sponsors Swarco, Gevi, Navtech Radar, Nota AI and One.Network that we're here. So let's talk about driverless cars and radar, V2Everything communication, AI machine vision and road markings today, plus We'll look ahead to meeting up next year and have Alan's final guide to L.A. And of course, we'll start with what not to miss at Congress with Eric Sampson. So by the time you get to the final day of a World Congress and the fourth day, and in fact, if you count Sunday as day zero, then actually the fifth day of the Congress, because there were sessions, there just weren't the exhibition and the other things going on on Sunday. Do you get to the point of just absolute World Congress fatigue? Is there a lure to go to Santa Monica or Venice Beach or just to wander down Rodeo Drive and look at the stars in the open-top cars? Why should you go to the final day of the Congress here in L.A.? The man that will convince you that it's worth spending time in the L.A. Convention Center is Professor Eric Sampson. He is the chief rapporteur here, and he's been to every single ITS World Congress. Eric, you always see it out to the bitter end because you do your sum up in the closing ceremony of the World Congress. Why should the person listening to Highways Voices now stick around to take part in the final day of the Congress. I see some extremely good sessions on the last day. It's, I don't think it's deliberate, save the best till last. It's just the way it's happened. International Forum 4, it's diversity, equity, accessibility and inclusion. These are big, big issues and there are some very, very good speakers lined up for that. The last plenary on Thursday is a bit of a review session at Smarter Digital Future, how ITS technology services can deliver something of benefit to you. So that's a good one to go to because you may hear of something, you think, oh, I didn't know about that, that's something I can use. We've then got Regional Forum 7, technology applications to advance traffic management. This is something sponsored by the USDOT and AASHTO, the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. They've been working on a very large handbook bringing together all the best worldwide information about how to run road networks. So again, this is one where one and a half hours will bring you exposure to a vast amount of knowledge. And then two papers sessions. I've not mentioned many of these. One of them, TS29, how do people factor into connected and automated vehicle operations? If you're saying, well, I don't really understand the question, trust me, go to this, listen and find out. And then the other one, uh, TS32, future-facing technologies. This is a bit more blue skies. This is not quite as wacky as the quantum technology, 
but it's sessions where people are setting down here's technologies which are just coming out of the lab they're not ready yet for mainstream deployment but they will be soon so here's a chance to get ahead of your colleagues come and learn Finally, I mentioned that you do the sort of closing summary of everything. How on earth have you been able to, during this week of this vast event with thousands of people, how have you managed to keep across the myriad of sessions that we have in order to deliver such a summary as you give and that I will include in the bonus podcast that we're going to have next week to sort of wrap up what's been going on here in LA this week? Well, like the conductor of an orchestra, I don't do all of the work. I have a team of 10 rapporteurs. They are divided. Some groups are larger than others because of the size of the topic. And they are my eyes and ears. They look at all the material that's come in and give me a quick analysis, a sort of um, a quick painting of what the picture looks like. They then spend their time going to sessions, demos, the exhibition, and after the Congress has closed, they send me quite a long document saying, this is what I saw, this is what I heard. I then edit those 10 into one, and that's then published as the post-Congress report, Los Angeles 2022. So um, I suppose the answer to your question is I share the workload. It does sound, though, like if you're into ITS and you love our industry, you've got one of the best jobs in the world, Eric. Thank you very much indeed for being our guide to the must-attend events all week here in Los Angeles. It's been fabulous to see you here in the sunshine on the West Coast. Um, Next time in Lisbon. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, without a doubt. It's going to be a good event. We'll look forward to Lisbon a bit later here on Highways Voices. For now, Professor Eric Sampson, thank you ever so much for your time. Direct from Los Angeles, Highways Voices at the ITS World Congress 2022. Thank you for joining us here on Highways Voices from the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles. It's brought to you thanks to the kind sponsorship of Gevi, One.Network, Nota AI, Navtech Radar and our good friend Swarco who have supported me on the podcast I've made from around the world for as long as I can remember. Now, usually we chat to Richard Neumann this time on the Swarco stand. I want to go to a different side of Swarco. And so I've grabbed Harold Mossbuck, who is Vice President of the Europe, Middle East and Africa for road marking systems. Harold, explain to me what somebody who's doing road markings is doing at an ITS Congress. It's pretty easy when you are talking about automated vehicles and, and everything around automated vehicles is a big issue here and a big topic at that Congress. You will reach the topic of lane markings after the very first five minutes because lane markings are one of the most important points when it's about the deployment of automated vehicles to make them more reliable and more safe. So it's kind of the two parts of the company coming together through automation 
accidentally is the wrong word, but it means that the two parts of the company need to work really closely together. What can you do with road markings that we're not doing already to make the automated vehicles, and in fact, vehicles with ADAS systems on at the moment, we're not talking about level five driverless vehicles, we're talking about cars of today. What can you, with road markings, do to make it safer? Well, a good example is really what's going on here in the United States. Uh, it was the Federal Highway Administration a few years ago. They were asking the, the industry, several stakeholders, the DODs here in the U.S. To, to redo, to rework the MUTCD, so the Manual Uniform Traffic Control Devices, so that to make that MUTCD ready for the deployment of automated vehicles. And the big part was as well related with lane markings. What's the outcome of it? Just to answer then that question, one of those outcomes is that uh, in the United States, the, the national road network, the highways, uh, will get more uniformity in lane markings. They will get wider lane markings so that camera can, can, can perceive the lane markings better. They will get more dotted at exit and, and entries of the highways so to get to leave the highways and to go on the highways, make it more safe. So there are a lot of examples of how lane markings can make the automated vehicle more reliable and more safe. And another point from the US that uh, recently was published that there will minimum performance of night visibility of lane markings. Even the threshold is, is, is still a, a low one of 50 millicandelas and uh, there is an option of up to 100 on, on certain roads. It is a real big step forward because it's not only about the automated vehicles, but better lane markings proven by countless studies are supporting the traffic safety because it helps as well the, the, the human drivers. You've talked about what they're doing here in the US in order to make the uh, the markings safer. Is this one of the cases where the Americans are grabbing the ball by the horns and are doing something about it and maybe Europe is lagging behind? Let's face it, a few years ago the European Council, they decided within the third mobility package of the, of the, of the European Commission for two policies. The first one was the, chief, the, the safety general regulation dealing everything with regard to the vehicle. Just to give you an example, with 1st July this year, all new type approval vehicles needs uh, mandatory lane-keeping systems, emergency lane-keeping systems, and many, many, many things more to make the vehicle more safer. The second thing was the Road Infrastructure Safety Management Directive, which was dealing with the infrastructure. You certainly know the triangle of traffic safety. It's about humans, it's about infrastructure, and it's about the vehicles. And when we are talking about infrastructure, the European Council gave the order to the European Commission to work out how lane markings shall be set for the future in Europe. So the Commission was reaching out and is doing and, and still pushing for it and making a very good job within the EGRIS expert group of road infrastructure safety. Well, the last two years there were several meetings going on. Unfortunately, of course, with all that pandemic, it was not always easy to meet. Long story short, Europe is not where the United States is already currently. We are lacking here in this regard behind. And I just hope and uh, I really could encourage member states to show here a little bit more initiative. European Commission is trying and we are lacking behind it. I hope we can make it up. 
Interesting stuff. Harold Musbuck is uh, vice president for the EMEA area for road marking systems in Swaco and uh, has explained to us very clearly why road markings are an important part of the future of transportation. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much, Paul. Sponsored by Swaco, Gevi, Nota AI, One Dot Network, and Navtech Radar. This is Highways Voices. On yesterday's podcast from here in Los Angeles, uh, we brought you the AI safe crossing from Nota AI from South Korea. And I'm back with global business manager Heijin Lee today on the stand. And I've got to say, if the thickness of the carpet on a stand is any reflection of the quality of the product, then this is a really high quality product because I'm standing on the most spongy carpet. You've got to come and check it out. Even on the last day of the Congress, it's still about three inches thick. Heijin, here we are on the stand and we've talked before and you've kind of explained to me before what AI camera does, but actually now I'm seeing it in the flesh here. It looks a really fascinating solution. Thank you for coming again. So I bet now now at the moment, many people would experience our AI safe crossing actual demonstration, but we have another very amazing solutions as well with our dashboards, with our AI traffic camera and AI traffic signal control to explain more about our promising solutions in ITS industry. Okay, so, well, let's have a look. We've got AI traffic camera and traffic signal control. So let's start with traffic camera first. So there is a map uh, expressed with the ROI, the region of interest is already designating. And so there is a real-time video streaming for four channels for each directions. And you can see the overall analytics, including the traffic count, queue count speed, space min speed. Those things can be very basic for the traffic and information, but it's also very important to give the overall analytics and expanding those solutions to the safe crossing or traffic signal control that we are trying to expand. So this is just any old normal CCTV camera. It's not something you need to go and buy a proprietary one or anything. What are you doing in the background on the analysis of the images? So like you mentioned, it's kind of a normal CCTV camera, so there is no limitations for camera applications from our side. And inside those magic box, you can get to know the analytics of overall traffic information, for example, the classification of vehicles up to 27 classes and also the pedestrian uh, detection. Now we are trying to expand the categories of of pedestrian detection, including the trawlers and elderly people by uh, specifying the categorizers of pedestrians and make it more concrete classification so it can be updated and adaptive to the current traffic flow. And what would you use those statistics for? So those statistics can be used in real time and in long term in both ways because I heard a lot of experiences from the local authorities. So they have a lot of tons of data accumulated automatically, but they don't know how to use out of it. So we can do it by real time analysis so they can give the direct notifications to the pedestrians or vehicles or in the long term traffic analysis so they can use for traffic planning or signal planning, etc. So the use can be numerous and we just give the accurate analytics to them. All off just a normal camera. And what about the uh, signal control? 
So for the signal control, we brought our the actual map that our solution is already applied in South Korea in the city called Pyeongtaek. So there are three different intersections connected together with to make the car passes this covered area as fast as it can without any red light limitations. So we use those kind of signal control solutions based on the reinforcement learning. I'm proud to say that we have our in-house ITS research department to focus on this kind of reinforcement method for the traffic signal control. And we would like to say they want to control the offset. So for after the transition, they can improve the level of service, like the efficiency of traffic flow and how fluent of the traffic flow is. This is all fantastic stuff. And as I say, all off just using normal CCTV cameras and getting so much more value out of them from the days when all you could really do with them is have a human being looking at them and hope to spot the uh, issue when it happens. So, Heijin, fantastic solutions. What sort of interest have you had over the week here in uh, Los Angeles? So, it was very good, good to have a big booth this year. I can remember last year we were in the very corner with a startup booth and dreaming we can one day we can have this kind of big booth and showing everything we have to any other visitors who is in this show. And now I, I feel like I achieved my dream and now I look for many guests to come and enjoy our solutions. Well, in four years' time, the ITS World Congress will take place in South Korea. By then, I expect you'll have your own hall, Heijin, so there you go. All right, thanks ever so much for your support and fascinating stuff here in L.A. Thank you for coming, Paul. Thanks. From the exhibition floor at the L.A. Convention Center, this is Highways Voices with Paul Hutton, sponsored by Nota, AI, Gevi, Swaco, One Dot Network, and Navtech Radar. Cast your mind back, because I'm sure you'll have an encyclopedic memory of my podcast from last year in Hamburg. But when we were in Hamburg, we had a chat with Coda Wireless about a really clever um, vehicle-to-vehicle solution which uh, warned vehicles of bicycles in the area. And uh, it was a really clever idea. Now, since then, Coda have been working on many other vehicle-to-infrastructure and vehicle-to-vehicle solutions. Um, But one of the issues that you face is you come to the US and then you go to Europe and then you go to other parts of the world and all the technology is different. How do you solve it? Well, maybe you should come and talk to Coda Wireless because I'm here with Bernd Lubin, who is VP of Business Development. And Bernd, you've got kind of the everything of V2X here. Correct. That's the the sixth generation of our product and we're very proud to introduce the MK6 to the market today. This is really a combination of different technologies. So as a vendor, as a software vendor and a hardware vendor, we have to be agnostic to all the different technologies. But we know that due to some uncertainties in some areas, the technology has not been that evolved. Uh, The rules are not clear yet, but in order to be prepared, we have launched the MK6 to make sure that wherever you are using V2X technology from Coda, you're aligned and you are fitting and meeting the requirements. Because where is the intelligence in this? It must be in what the thing does rather than how it communicates with another device. Yeah, there are two items which are important. First of all is the, the hardware itself. So the hardware we are using, it's the latest and greatest hardware you can find on the market. 
It's a 5G um, chipset from Qualcomm. It's DSRC chips from NXP. We are using Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chips in combination. And then the second part is, of course, the software, which brings everything together. And depending on where you are, where you're operating those units, you can switch on the different bits and pieces of the software and you are on in the V2X environment. Obviously, that's the communication side of thing, but you're also building the kit that goes with it. So what sort of solutions uh, do you have? Yeah, this is really a plug-and-play solution we are offering. So the hardware comes together with the uh, complete set of antennas, with the software development kit, with sample applications, so customers can even start to develop their own applications, or they can start using our applications, building their own use cases. In combination with the software development kit and the hardware, this is really the starting point. Okay, and so you are on stand number 939. Easiest thing to uh, do is look for the massive Notre AI from Korea stand and you're just behind it on the exhibition floor here in Los Angeles and if people aren't in Los Angeles how can they get in touch with you? Oh they can get in touch with us on the um, the webpage on the homepage we can talk to us um, on different locations where we are now from now on present and presenting the MK6 so either online send us an email contact us by phone or see us at the booth. Burnt, great to see you. It's another continent, it's another exhibition floor, but it's more great quality solutions from Coda Wireless. Thank you, Paul. Highways Voices from the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles is presented and produced by Paul Hutton and sponsored by Gevi, Suaco, One Dot Network. Navtech Radar and Notter AI. I've come back to the Navtech Radar stand. I spoke earlier in the week to founder and MD Phil Avery. And as we said on the other podcast, uh, if he were in the US, he would be president and CEO. So you get the you get the impression he's the head honcho of the organization and uh, the brains behind the whole operation. Phil, we <laughs> talked about the reasons why you rely on radar to do your stop vehicle detection but i want to pick up on something that i've sort of seen that you've been talking about on the stand which is kind of next generation use of it because you're looking at how you can integrate the use of radar on the roadside with autonomous vehicles and and how they the two complement each other Yes, we are, yeah. Um, obviously, we're all expecting at some point in the near future for us to be using autonomous vehicles. We believe there will be a transition phase where we go from driven vehicles to autonomous vehicles and that during that period, and actually also when um, roads are fully autonomous, that a infrastructure-based uh, sensing solution will be extremely useful and provide data that you cannot get from any other source. So, for example, if you are approaching a junction and you want to know what's around the corner, your autonomous vehicle can approach the junction. If, it, if you were to magically look around the corner and know exactly what's happening everywhere, you could then choose how fast you approach the junction, for example. You could slow down if someone was about to pull out in front of you. And the only way you can do that is by installing um, sensors on the infrastructure and then providing that data to the autonomous vehicle. Take another example. If you were coming onto a, up onto a bridge where the slipway is at a lower level than the actual main carriageway, there it would be very nice if you were driving along knowing that someone was about to 
to approach the motorway then if you're in an autonomous vehicle that could then slow down and let someone in or possibly accelerate so that they don't um, actually meet at the same time on the on the highway this is sometimes referred to as a, a e-horizon or electronic horizon where you actually have sensors providing that data that looks over the horizon that you would normally see um, and improve safety and efficiency of autonomous vehicles interesting because i'm sure if i walked around this exhibition hall i would find people that would tell me that a vehicle can talk to another vehicle and you can cut the infrastructure out completely and if all vehicles are bleeping away their exact location they're heading their speed then uh, they don't need any of the infrastructure so so why do you think it's so important what's what's the hole in the v2v solution there's there's a couple of reasons why that may not work and if you were to look way into the future where every car has communications with every other car. Firstly, you're relying on a wireless network, and as we all know with wireless networks, um, if you have a phone or a Wi-Fi network, then they're not fully reliable. So to have a safety-critical solution purely based on a very large mesh network of data wouldn't be great. You would have a, uh, an easily defeated solution. And secondly, in the transition between where we are now and a fully autonomous solution, there are going to be many vehicles that, that do not have that capability um, and even in the even in the final uh, solution as it were where everywhere everything is autonomous you're going to have uh, people on bicycles you're going to have uh, pedestrians you have many other vehicles which aren't um, instrumented and therefore there's always a flaw in that that's ne- never going to be a, a completely comprehensive solution when we last spoke earlier in the week you mentioned about uh, aviation choosing radar you wouldn't have aircraft flying around without radar to back up and help the controllers know where everyone is no absolutely and, and that, that's a good analogy actually if you look at uh, uh, nats and national air traffic control system they have a, a mesh of uh, uh, radars or a network of radars covering full coverage of the uk sky so they know where everything is as well as each airplane also having its own sensors uh, for exactly the same reason it's brilliant i love wandering around the exhibition hall and talking to people these people have given us a great insight and have also funded us being here which is why I'm particularly uh, appreciative to Navtech Radar who along with One Dot Network and Notre AI Gevi and Swarco have supported us being here in Los Angeles this week on Highways Voices Phil thanks very much Uh, you're also going to be supporting our podcasts from Highways UK so I look forward to catching up and talking more then Great, thank you, Paul. So with all the planning that we have done and all the looking forward to the event, suddenly it's the final day of the ITS World Congress 2022 here in Los Angeles. But fear not, we have plenty of things to look forward to next year, like going to Lisbon for the ITS European Congress. So here's Lisa Boch-Anderson, who is Director of Congress's Communications and Events at Ertico ITS Europe. Lisa, uh, you must be really into the sort of advanced planning stages of Lisbon next year. Yes, hi Paul thank you. We are very excited about Lisbon Um, the European Congress is happening in May 2023 the 22nd to the 24th of May at the Lisbon Conference Centre, the so called CCL and Lisbon is sort of a funny city because on the one hand it's one of the oldest cities in the world um, but on the other hand it's really an economic Center, a European economic center, um, you know, with a really busy transport network. Um, I, and I also hear one of the major container ports on Europe's Atlantic coast. The overarching theme of the Congress is ITS 
the game changer. And that, of course, links to the role that ITS plays uh, in reducing emissions, CO2 emissions, in making our lives safer, smarter, etc. I think more than ever, ITS and mobility are front and center to some of the major challenges that we face. We can really make a difference. So it's an exciting time to be in this sector. I remember going to Lisbon when we were expecting it to happen in 2020 and then COVID hit. I think I went in the December beforehand and was really quite impressed with a lot of the innovations that uh, the Portuguese are introducing when it comes to ITS. Yes, indeed. Mobility is very important for them. And as I said before, it is an important business area. So, you know, there is really a need uh, to keep growing, to keep, uh, you know, the the foot on the pedal, so to speak, uh, and to modernize where you can. What sort of things can we look forward to in the Congress when it comes to the sessions and the exhibition and the demonstrations? And don't forget the really important networking. So, yes, networking is essential, and I really look forward to having, again, a congress like in Toulouse, where we were there face-to-face. After Hamburg, it is such a thrill every time we can meet again. So, what can we look forward to in terms of structure? It always has these five key elements, right? There is a high-level program with high-level speakers and thematics, We have the technical program where we're aiming at towards 90-100 technical sessions. We have demonstrations, of course. We have exhibition and we have technical visits. So those are sort of the five pillars. And we have a couple of new things and maybe I can highlight two that we are quite looking forward to in the technical program. We will now have startup presentation sessions as part of the technical program. And that really gives the opportunity for small companies to share what is their technical or commercial uh, business novelty. And then another thing that you will find uh, as a new feature is something that we call strategic future sessions as part of the technical program. And as the name suggests, that is really a about looking forward. It's not really about reporting on work that has already been completed. And so we're really looking forward to this being highly interactive discussion sessions. It's always such good fun. You mentioned Toulouse. I had such a good time uh, reporting from Toulouse this year. Uh, the one other thing I'm just going to touch on, because we're here we are in Los Angeles and we're kind of slightly out of step because again we should have been in Los Angeles two years ago uh, but we rotate around the world and we've got in two years time the Europeans host it again but this time outside of the European continent in Dubai. Yes indeed so next year we have Sushu in China um, and the event as it is now will go ahead but it will be a hybrid event and that obviously has an impact Uh, on people, companies, organizations, because there are challenges in getting into China, right? But the year after we have Dubai, and I'm super excited about Dubai, um, Attico really has a EMEA-wide remit, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And indeed, it is the first time that we go outside of the traditional Europe. Um, RTA are here in Los Angeles with us. They are our partner. 
I already went with some of my team members in March to Dubai. Organization is in full swing. And we are really aiming high. We're aiming to have 20,000 participants in Dubai. So there is really something to look forward to. Fantastic. Well, I've been to Dubai several times and to Gulf Traffic, which is a significant event in December, but it's nothing like the scale that you're going to be putting together. So really looking forward to uh, heading off to Dubai in two years' time and before that, to see you in Lisbon. Excellent. Thank you very much, Paul. So looking forward to Lisbon next year and, of course, the Global Summit in Melbourne in August too that we talked about on yesterday's podcast. So that's pretty much it. But if you're around for any more time in L.A., what can you do? We'll wrap up our week here with a final bit of... Alan's Guide to L.A. I did mention earlier about the Peterson Automotive Museum and being adjacent to L.A. County Museum of Art, the LACMA and with tremendous displays there, um, it's along Wilshire Boulevard. But very close in, in, in walking, walking distance, there's a fascinating museum, and it's called the La Brea Tar Pits. And there's actually large pit of tar that, that has been excavated, and the, the fossilized remains of mammoth bones um, well-preserved in the tar. It's a fascinating place to go and visit. Interesting piece of LA history as well, because that whole area, the tar pits would give this away, is oil. There were derricks, oil derricks all over that area at one time. And you can still see them as you drive from Los Angeles Airport. You can still see oil derricks in the hillsides. But the Librea tar pits are quite special. And, you know, you combine that with some of the other museums in the area as well. It's really worth a visit to that area and get a concentration of interesting places to go to. If you like people watching, you will adore the beaches. Venice Beach with the boardwalk and all the activities that go on at the weekend. Take your own roller skates. Go roller skating if you would like to do that. There's always plenty of stuff going on down at Venice Beach and rollerboarding. It's a wonderful time, September. It's away from the hottest part of the year. There's plenty of room down there as well. There will be a lot of people walking around. But on the boardwalk, you get... um, People with stalls, setting stalls up to do magic tricks, um, get you involved in various games and that sort of thing. Always something interesting to see. You know, you get dancers out there showing their routines and then they get the people from the crowd who are standing watching them to come in and dance with them. Uh, It's great fun. It's absolutely great fun. It really is. So that's it for our daily podcast this week, but we've got lots of unused material I didn't have time to bring you, so we'll have a bonus podcast using that next Wednesday. We're next on the road in November for Highways UK, and we'll have our weekly chats with Adrian Atal too. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. Highways Voices from the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles is presented and produced by Paul Hutton and sponsored by Gevi, Suarco, One Dot Network, Navtech Radar and Notter AI. 